0: Alhamdulillah, Ahmedu, who and Esterino, who and Ester Hero, when I Shururi and Fusina, was a ye ate Armalina, when yehdihilahu falla mulla, woman you willil falla her diella, wash Hado and ilaha illa who wached a hula shari kala, wash Hado and Mohammed and Abedu or a So the next narration we're on today then hadith of Hudhayfah radiyallahu <laughs> ta'ala anhu that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to forbid mourning narrated by Ahmad and Tirmidhi and he graded it In this hadith now it says that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to prohibit the nai the is making advertisements about the death of someone making big publication making big announcements about the death of someone however in this issue we need to look at the evidences that we've come across there were three hadith that we have come across now. The first hadith was about the woman, and when the Prophet ﷺ realized that she had died, he said to them, You should have informed me, you should have told me. So that hadith indicates you are supposed to announce the death of somebody. This hadith we've got here though, says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam forbade from making announcements about the death of someone. And then there is a third hadith, the next one, of Abu Hurairah radhiallahu ta'ala anhu. Anna al-Nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam na'an najashiyya fil yawmi alladhi maata feeh. That the Prophet ﷺ made the announcement about the death of a Najashi, on the day that a Najashi died. And the Prophet ﷺ took them out to the Musalla and did the Salat, the Janaza, upon Najashi in his absence. The janazah prayer in the absence of the deceased. So these three narrations are talking about making the announcement regarding the death of someone. The first narration mentioned, you should have told me, indicating that it is good to make the announcement of somebody who dies. This one we got now, the hadith of Hudayfa, says it is prohibited to make announcements about the death of someone and thirdly the prophet himself made the announcement of the death of an najashi so what is the ruling regarding this then? when somebody dies are you allowed to make public announcements regarding the death of someone or not Making the announcement of the death of someone is three types. Making the announcement of the death of someone is three types. النعي على ثلاثة أقسام القسم الأول إخبار the psalm وأهله a جنازته bit عليه هذا مستحب One type of announcement is announcing the actual family and relatives of that person. Informing them. Informing and announcing it to the actual relatives and the close ones of that deceased so they can come and pray the janazah upon their relative. That type of informing and announcement is mustahab to tell the family of the deceased and inform them and make the announcement for them that is something mustahab. An example of that is when the Prophet ﷺ did it for Najashi. Because when Najashi died in that land, there were no believers there to pray upon him. So the Prophet ﷺ made the announcement to the believers, so they would pray the janazah. So making that announcement to the close ones and to the relatives of the deceased, Or for the Muslims who are going to then pray upon him, that is mustahab. The second type of announcement is where it is made in a public platform, made in a public platform with an intention of some type of pride behind it. That you're going to make a big public announcement and lots of people are therefore going to attend and so your janazah of your deceased will be remembered and recognized by the people. Look how many came. So there's a type of pride involved. You want to get lots of people there out of this pride. We want to make his janaza something known and remembered. That is makruh To make the announcement of the death of somebody for that type of purpose, for a type of pride you have, you want to gather lots of people and make it a day to be remembered, that is makruh. That is not the purpose of the janazah. The purpose of the janazah isn't to get lots of people just to make it a day to be remembered. So, if that is the type of intent you have, then it is makruh to make public announcements like that. The third type is what they used to do in Jahiliyyah. And in Jahiliyyah, they used to publicly announce the death of a person by hearing the screams and the shouts of their relatives the screams and the shouts of their relatives, why him and why did he have to die, and screaming and shouting over the death of this relative, how they used to Jahiliya, not necessarily meaning you go out in the streets doing it, but the fact that they used to do that, screaming and shouting and why him and why did he have to die, and that type of thing, that type of speech at the death of a person is impermissible, It is from the major sins, in fact. So in this hadith, or these three hadith, it talks about this issue of publicizing the death of the one who has died. If it's for the close people, the relatives, the family, then of course that's mustahab, inform them, spread the news to them. If it's for the purpose of publicly announcing it just to get lots of people and to make it a day to be remembered and have big masses pride for the family of the deceased, makruh. They don't make announcements for that type of purpose. And thirdly, this screaming and shouting that they do at the death of somebody, why him and he did so much good and etc those types of speech that is haram and impermissible. Regarding a najashi in this narration, when Najashi died the Prophet sallallahu made the announcement regarding the death of a najashi He was the king of Al-Habasha and of course An-Najashi was not his name. An-Najashi was not his name That is only a title, just like the ruler of Egypt. Every ruler of Egypt had the title of Pharaoh. Every ruler of Habasha in those days had the title of Najashi. Every ruler of Rome has the title of Caesar. These are all titles. Titles for the one in charge of a particular area, Caesar of Rome, and... uh, The Najashi was used for Habasha and Pharaoh used for Egypt. So Najashi wasn't his name. That was the title of every ruler of Habasha, just like Pharaoh of Egypt. His actual name, the scholars they mention, was Ashamah. And Najashi, as we know, was Christian and he was a rightful ruler. He never used to oppress anyone. But when the Muslims, when the uh, Kuffar Quraysh, oppressed the Muslims in Mecca, the Prophet had told them to go and make hijrah to Habashah, the first hijrah, because Najashi was a just man. He was Christian, but he was a just man. So they went to him because he was just and he was merciful. And when he heard the Qur'an, Najashi heard the Qur'an from those Muslims who came, those muhajirun in the first Hijrah. he became Muslim. He became Muslim and he was good in his Islam. However, he never actually got to meet the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. فَلَمَّا مَاتَ جَاءَ جِبْرِيلَ إِلَى نَبِيِّ سَلَّمٍ أَخْبَرَهُ بِمَوْتِهِ فِي الْيَوْمِ الَّذِي مَاتَ فِيهِ so on the day when Najashi passed away, that day, Jibril alaihissalam came and informed the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that a Najashi has died. وَذَلِكَ بِخَبَرِ السَّمَاءِ so this was like revelation. Jibreel alaihissalam came and told him that over there in that land Najashi has died and Najashi was Muslim now. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam commanded the companions to go out and they prayed the janaza prayer upon the ghaib, upon a Najashi who was absent. So what does this hadith tell us then? Firstly, A miracle from the miracles of the Prophet and a proof upon his prophethood. A miracle upon the Prophet and a proof of his prophethood. And that is the fact that he found out on the same day Al Najashi died that he has died. And imagine the distances in those days. There was no connections like now, phones and these things. It would take days and weeks for a person to travel that distance and bring the news that Najashi has died. It would take days and weeks before you found out about this in those days. A messenger would come on his horse and tell you. But on that day the Prophet ﷺ was informed by inspiration, revelation from Allah to him. Jibreel alayhis came with that information to him. So this indicates one of the signs upon the truthfulness of the prophethood of muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam secondly we have the legislation of praying the janazah upon the ghaib upon the person who is absent the deceased is absent but praying janazah upon the deceased who is absent This is the reason why this hadith is mentioned here. That is actually the key topic here. What is the ruling on praying janazah when the body isn't there? What is the ruling on praying the janazah upon somebody and they're not there? They're somewhere else, in some other place, in some other city, some other country. Ghaib, absent. Can you just pray the janazah upon someone like that or not? The scholars have differed over this issue. There is a difference of opinion upon this issue and there are four opinions. The first opinion, that praying the Salat al-Janaza upon the Ghaib, upon somebody who is absent, the deceased isn't there, he's in a different country, different place, is permissible. Is absolutely permissible, no issue. That is the first opinion and their proof is very simply the prophet prayed upon najashi najashi was in habasha miles and miles away different place altogether they prayed upon him in his absence they prayed upon him even in his absence the body was not there he was not there so the first opinion is, it's allowed, no problem. The Prophet did it for Najashi. So opinion one is, it is absolutely allowed. The second opinion is, it is not permissible at all, ever. To pray the janazah without the body there, without the person there. If he died somewhere else, not permissible for you to pray janazah here now in his absence upon him. That is the second opinion. Why do they give this opinion? They say, look, at the time of the Prophet and the Sahaba, were there not many of the Sahaba who died outside of Medina in various battles or various places they used to be upon or various other incidents that occurred, the plagues that occurred in different lands? Were there not many Sahaba who died in the various lands? They had left Medina and they'd gone out to various lands and they died in those lands. Is there a narration, a single narration that the Sahaba in Medina or in Mecca would ever pray upon those other Sahaba who died in distant lands? Not a single one. Not a single narration that the Sahaba in Medina used to pray upon those other Sahaba who had gone and died in distant lands. Never. Uh, were there examples of Sahaba going and dying in distant lands absolutely many of them but not a single narration that the Sahaba in Medina ever prayed the Janaza al-janaza upon the one in absence ever so the second opinion is that it must be something which is not prescribed because if it was surely they would have prayed upon some of those big companions who died in other distant lands so, second opinion is not allowed at all. Third opinion, the Quran al-Thālith. إِنَّهُ إِنْ كَانَ فِي بَلَدْ لَمْ يُصَلَّ not فِيهِ فَإِنَّهَا تُصَلَّ a صَلَاتُ In لِأَنَّ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ كَانَ فِي أَرْضِ النَّصَارَى a Muslim. عَلَيْهِ فِي بَلَدِهِ فَلِذَلِكَ عَلَيْهِ not allowed It is allowed to pray the janazah prayer upon somebody absent. Somebody who died somewhere else, their body is somewhere else. If nobody had prayed the janazah upon that deceased person wherever they died. Somebody died in some distant land and nobody prayed the janazah, there was no janazah done for that person, then you in your place, hundreds of miles away, wherever you might be, you can pray the janazah for that person. Evidence is clear. The evidence of Najashi. This one makes more specific sense. Because at that time when Najashi died, were there any Muslims there to pray janazah upon him? Nobody prayed the janazah upon him. Hence, that's why the Prophet ﷺ prayed the janazah upon him and the companions prayed upon him in his absence. Because that was a situation where this person had died and nobody had prayed the janazah upon him from his land no janazah had been established, hence they prayed. So in that scenario, the third opinion is it's allowed. Somebody died in some distant land, and you know no janazah was done upon him in that land, then you can pray the janazah in his absence in your land. Opinion number four. So opinion number three, by the way, if somebody died somewhere and the janazah was done upon them, then is it allowed for you to do janazah here as well? Then no. Opinion number four says, Annahu ida kana al-gaib min ahl al-fadl, wallahu mukam fil-Islam wa-fadl fil-Islam karuasa al-Muslimin al-labin lahun nafg fil-Islam wa-nusr lil-Islam." كالعلماء الذين لهم نفع ونشر للعلم والدعوه فاذا كان من اهل الفضل فانه يصلى عليه صلاه الغائب ولو كان صلي عليه في بلده اظهارا لفضله ومكافاهه له على صنعي للاسلام والمسلمين كما كان النجاشي رضي الله عنه فانه من اهل الفضل وهذا هو المختار به الان في هذه البلاد من زمن طويل يعني في السعوديه انهم يصلون على اهل الفضل على الملوك اذا ماتوا صلاه الغائب وعلى الامراء الذين لهم مكانه في الاسلام وعلى العلماء يصلون عليهم صلاه الغائب the fourth opinion is it is allowed to pray the janaza in absence of the actual deceased if the deceased individual was a person of stature was a person of honor and respect. So, for example, the scholars, for example, the Muslim rulers, people who have nobility, they've done great things for Islam, they are people of position, people of honor, people of respect. Those types of people, if they die somewhere, and even if the janazah is prayed upon them over there, you can still pray janazah in their absence. As Sheikh Al Fawzan says, that is the opinion they take in Saudi Arabia. So, in Saudi Arabia, that is the opinion they take generally, the Sheikh says. So, if a scholar died somewhere in Riyadh, for example, they might do the janazah in Riyadh. Obviously, they'll do it there, but they might do it as well in Medina, in Mecca, in other places. They may do it as well. If a big scholar died in Riyadh, for example. That is the opinion number four. If somebody of virtue dies, even if the janazah is done upon them, you can do a janazah for the ghaib because he was a person of virtue and he aided his Islam. That is the fourth opinion. So opinion one was, you can always do it. Open. Anytime somebody dies in your country, you can do a janazah upon them as well. Anytime. Opinion two, Never. It's not even prescribed. Never. No such thing as janazah when the body is missing. Number three. If nobody prayed upon that person, then you can pray in your land upon him even though he may have died in some distant land. But nobody prayed upon him or you overwhelmingly believe that there is no proof that anybody prayed upon him, then you can pray. Number four. People of virtue. Even if the janazah was done for them, you can still do it as an absent janazah as well. What is the strongest of these opinions? Number three is the opinion of Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and it appears to be the strongest opinion that you can't just pray the ghaib janazah upon anybody. You can't just always pray the janazah. If somebody has died, janazah has been done upon them, that's it. Why are you praying janazah now in absence again? You only do it if you believe that somebody has died from the Muslims and nobody prayed the janazah upon them. Just like it happened about Najashi. But that was not Ghaib. The Prophet ﷺ went to the grave. Ah. So this, these are the opinions. As sheik Al-Fawzan says, فَالرَّاجِحْ هُوَ هذاني القولاني الأخيراني. he says opinion three and opinion four are the strong opinions. opinion three and opinion four are the strong opinions. أنه إن كان لم يصلى عليه فإنه يصلى عليه أو كان سلّيا عليه لكنه من أهل الفضل فإنه يصلى عليه صلاة الغائب. so if you know that the prayer was not done upon someone then you do it. Or even if it was done, as long as it was a person of nobility and virtue, you can do it again. To show that respect for that person and to show that this was somebody who aided Islam and he was somebody who uh, did a lot for Islam. As for normal people, died somewhere, janazah was done, then it's not allowed for you to do it again. According to opinion number three and four, if we say these two are the correct opinions, they allow you to pray the janazah in absence if you know that the janazah was not done for that person or even if you know it was done as long as it's a person of virtue. So if it was not a person, so if the janazah was done and it wasn't a person of virtue, then you would not be able to do it again. If it was done and it wasn't a person of virtue as such, then you can't do it again. You can't say one of my relatives died back home. They did the janazah and everything. But I want to come here with me and my few relatives we live here. We're going to get together and do janazah as well. You can't. Like that, you can't. So that is what is mentioned regarding this issue. This is the, uh, you're right? It does not appear to have evidence for that. So, Allah, I'm sure there are other details they have for this opinion. Uh, maybe ijtihad on it as well. Najashi, for example, fits into this one too. He was a person of nobility and virtue, aided Islam. He helped the Muslims when they came in the hijra He became Muslim. He aided Islam in that way. When the Kuffar sent people, they sent Kuffar to get the Muslims back. Najashi refused. They sent him gifts and everything to try and convince him he refused. He was somebody of virtue in that way. He would fit into opinion four too. So they have some uh, ijtihar on that. So that is regarding the prayer upon the person who is absent. The next narration of Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما قال سمعت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول, مَا مِنْ رَجُلٍ مُسْلِمٍ يَمُوتُ فَيَقُومُ عَلَىٰ جَنَازَتِهِ أَرْبَعُونَ رَجُلًا لَا يُشْرِكُونَ بِاللَّهِ شَيْئًا إِلَّا شفعهم اللَّهُ فِيهِ رواه مسلم The hadith says, there is not a person who dies. And 40 men of Tawheed pray the janazah upon him. There's a jama'ah of 40 men at least, people of Tawheed who do not commit shirk. Pray the janazah upon that person, then Allah will allow them to intercede on behalf of him. This hadith is basically telling us about the recommendation or legislation to have lots of people upon the janazah. That the Muslims should come and they should pray the janazah upon their brother or upon their sister. فيه مشروعية تكفير العدد لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم خرج بأصحابه ففيه مشروعية تكفير العدد في الصلاة على الميت so it indicates that you increase the numbers and all the Muslims they should come وفيه بيان الحكمة من الصلاة على الميت وهي أنها شفاعة فيه يعني الدعاء له So this tells us now why you should come and pray upon somebody deceased from amongst the Muslims. And you shouldn't miss it. One reason we already discussed before, somebody who comes and prays the janazah and stays with it all the way until it's buried, you have like iratan of reward, like two mountains of reward. So there's a great reward in doing it on top of that there is great benefit because you are interceding on behalf of this deceased you're making dua oh Allah forgive him have mercy upon him enter him into paradise all of that dua is an intercession you're making for this deceased asking Allah to forgive him so the more people who are doing that the better it is for the deceased the more people who are there making the dua for him asking Allah to forgive him the better that is for the deceased so, what do we learn from this? Point number one that we learn that the janazah is only upon the Muslim. Anna Al janaza Ma min Muslimin Yamut. Because the Prophet ﷺ said there is not anyone from the Muslims who dies, and then forty people stand upon his Janazah. So the janazah is upon the Muslim. ولا ولا A disbeliever who dies, you do not pray upon him. And neither do you go do that burial, etc. for that disbeliever. You do not pray upon the disbeliever, neither do you take the responsibility of doing the burial, etc. فَالْكَافِرْ It is the kuffar who go and take the responsibility of burying the kafir and taking care of the kafir. The Muslim does not go and do that. Also, the hadith indicates that it is good if there are more and as many as possible from the community they come and pray the janazah. It is good that they should come and pray the janazah because it is like they are doing intercession for the deceased. Also, the wisdom in praying the janazah is highlighted and that is the fact that you will be making intercession for the deceased. You are making dua for him, you are making intercession for him. So that's why it is good that there should be the Muslims coming out to pray the janazah. If you hear about it, you hear somebody dies, you should make the effort to go. Make the effort to stand in the rows, increase the rows. People of Tawheed making dua for the deceased, asking Allah to forgive him. That is something good that should occur. Then, An Samurah Bint Jundub, Radiallahu anhu, he Sallay to an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alam ra'atin ma'at fi ni fasiha. wa sataha. Samara Ibn Jundab radiallahu anhu says, I prayed behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was leading the janazah prayer upon a woman who had died after birth. After giving birth, she had died after giving birth. So the Prophet ﷺ was praying the janazah upon her. Mm-hmm. The Prophet ﷺ stood in relation to her body in the middle. Oh. فَقَامَ وَسْطَهَا وَسْطَهَا بِسُكُونِ السِّينِ الشيء الَّذِي لَيْسَ لَهُ أَفْرَاد فَأَمَّا الَّذِي لَهُ أَفْرَاد فَيَقُولُ وَسَطُهُ كما تَقُولُ جَلَسْتُ وَسَطَ الْقَوْمِ يعني بينهم So here it's وَسْطَهَا meaning in the middle of her So this hadith indicates what? That the janazah prayer is prayed upon the deceased who are male and female. That is very clear. The janazah is prayed upon the deceased of the men and the deceased of the women. Secondly, a woman who dies in childbirth, she is considered under under the ruling of shahid. But like we said last time. That is the ruling of the shaheed, but the application of the, 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 the rulings and the, what we do is not identical to exactly how you do for the actual shaheed. It is the ruling of the shaheed, but not the physical application of our rulings of the shaheed. How you say it like that? a shaheed in the akhirah, but not in this world in this world they have the rulings as normal but their station is like the station of a shaheed but the rulings upon them are normal so here we see that she was a woman who died in childbirth or just after childbirth the ruling is the ruling of shaheed but the application of what we do now in this world is normal so the Janaza is prayed upon her as normal The actual Shaheed, there is no prayer, the Janaza. But the one who is in the ruling of a Shaheed, Shaheed in the hereafter, then that one you still pray upon them like this woman. لكن في الآخرة. أما في الدنيا فجنازتها مثل غيرها من المسلمين. so as for this world her janaza is just normal like anybody else but she is termed as a shaheed in the hereafter المساله الثالثه في الحديث دليل على مقام الرجل من الصلاة على المراه وانه يكون محاذيا وسطها أما الرجل فيكون محاضياً رأسه أو صدره هذا هو المستحب وإلا فالمجزئ أن يقف أمامه أي جزء من الميت فإذا كان أمام الإمام جزء من الميت كفى هذا لكن أفضل أنه إذا كان الميت مرأة فإنه يتوسط من جسمها وإن كان الميت رجلاً فإنه يحاضي رأسه أو صدره هذا هو السنة so we learn here that when the janazah of a man is done the imam is supposed to stand where next or in line behind the head or the chest of the man as for the woman as we see in this narration imam is supposed to stand in the middle. What if there are multiple people deceased and there's going to be multiple people the janazah is going to be done on? There's men, there's women, there's a few bodies. Janazah is going to be done. How is that going to be done then? The bodies of the men have to be put at the front, then the bodies of the women behind, and then the bodies of any children behind that. So the imam, where he's standing in front of him, will be the bodies of the men first. So that is what this hadith tells us. For the men, you stand at the head and the chest. That's normal. And for the women, you stand in the middle. Even though it is not obligatory. What is obligatory? What's the minimum? That the imam must be somewhere Behind the body of the deceased. He might end up being near the legs. Where he's standing in front of him, that's the legs part of the deceased. The prayer is valid. As long as he is behind, or the the deceased is in front of him somewhere, he's at the head, he's at the chest, he's at the knees, he's near the feet. As long as that body is in front of him somewhere, the prayer counts. But if the imam was standing at the side of the body somewhere, missing it, That's the problem so it counts as long as the imam is somewhere behind the body minimum but the best thing is you shouldn't just stand anywhere behind the body for the men you should stand behind the head or the chest and for the women in the middle that's what you should do but even as long as you were stood somewhere behind the body the prayer would count so you don't say i accidentally forgot the imam did the janazah he was stood near the feet end the the prayer is valid you don't say okay let's do it again I'll move over to the head side the prayer is valid now it is valid then and Aisha radiallahu anha qalat wallahi laqad salla Rasulullah sallallahu sallam ala bney bayla'a filmest wal muslim in this hadith Aisha radiallahu anha says that by Allah the Prophet sallallahu prayed upon the two sons of a woman known as Bayda, the white woman. Her name was Daad and she had two sons called Sahel and Suhail, And the Prophet وسلم, prayed upon them. Was sabab annahu lamma Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu <laughs> <سؤال> <سؤال> أمرت بجنازته يمر بها في المسجد ليصلي عليها، بجنازته أن يمر بها في ليصلي عليها، الناس ذلك. فكي- كيف تدخل الجنازة في فبيّنت رضي الله عنها أن هذا من سنة الله لأنه على سهل ابني بيضاء في المسجد. The purpose of this hadith is to highlight because it says that the Prophet وسلم, prayed the Janazah on these two boys in the mosque. The ruling from this hadith is that it is permissible to pray the janazah in the mosque. It is permissible to pray the janazah in the mosque. It is not a condition. It has to be outside. It's better to be outside on the musalla somewhere, but it is allowed to pray the janazah in the mosque. Here, Aisha radiallahu anha says, I swear by Allah, the Prophet sallallahu prayed the janazah on those two boys in the mosque. So, this highlights very clearly in Muslim that the Prophet ﷺ prayed the Janazah upon them in the mosque indicating that it is permissible. فدل على جواز الصلاة على الجنازة في المسجد وأنه لا بأس بذلك وإن كانت الصلاة عليها خارج المسجد أو لا It's better to do it outside, but if you do it in the mosque, it's valid. لكن إذا صلي عليها في المسجد فهذا جائز ولا حرج فيه فَقَدْ سُلِّيَ عَلَى عُمَر وَعَلَى أَبُو بَكَر رضي الله عَنْهُمَا فِي الْمَسْجِدِ عُمَر وَأَبُو بَكَر رضي الله عَنْهُمَا their janaza was done in the mosque their janaza was done in the mosque وَسُلِّيَ عَلَى خَلْقٍ كَثِيرٍ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ and there were many other examples you can find in the seera of the Muslims being prayed upon in the mosque so that is something definitely permissible فالمساله على سعه وعلى الجواز والحمد لله هذا مقصود ام المؤمنين لما حلفت لتبين انه لا انكار في الصلاه على الجنائز في المسجد So there is some leeway in this affair if the janazah is done in the mosque it is allowed Abu Bakr Umar radiyallahu anhuma da janaz done in the mosque Aisha takes an oath that the janazah of these two boys was done by the prophet sallam in the mosque so that is allowed. It is not something to be rebuked or refuted. If it's done in the mosque, it's allowed. If it's done outside, that is better. But if it's done in the mosque, it is allowed. Then we come now to the issue of how many takbirat you do in the janazah prayer. عَنْ عَبْدِ Rahman بِنْ عَبِي لَيْلَىٰ عَنْ عَبْدِ الرَّحْمَانِ بِنْ عَبْ قَالْ كان زيد بن أرقم رضي الله عنه يكبر على جنائزنا أربعا وإنه كبر على جنازة خمسا فسألته فقال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يكبرها رواه مسلم والأربع وعن علي رضي الله عنه أنه كبر على سهل بن حنيف ستا وقال إنه بدري Rawahu Saeed Mansur wa منصور Bukhari. A takbirat التكبيرات على wajiba. Those takbirat in the janaza prayer are wajib. Lakin al adad khtalafatir How many takbirat in the Janazah prayer? The narrations are differing about it. There are differing narrations about that. From the action of the Prophet ﷺ, from the action of the sahaba min nabi sallallahu min sahaba wa four takbirat has been narrated five has been narrated six has been narrated seven has been narrated and even other examples than that as well lots of different examples of how many takbirat are to be done on the janazah have been narrated بعض العلماء الاجماع على ذلك قال, no, uh, ولكن الذي ترجح عند العلماء الأربع, the most heaviest opinion the scholars have taken is that it is 4 Umar gathered all of the sahaba upon this opinion of 4 Some of the scholars said it is by consensus now that it is supposed to be four And that it should be four So some of the scholars say all these other narrations that mention five and six and seven are the authentic narrations In of themselves, they are authentic narrations. But there is one issue in sciences of hadith where an authentic narration, maybe authentic in of itself, can still be rejected. Why? How? If there are multiple, multiple other strong authentic narrations, all opposing it. Somebody who is a good, reliable narrator, you have four or five good reliable narrators narrator hadith all of it connected all the conditions are there the hadith is therefore sahih but then you have a whole bunch of narrators on the other side all of them authentic chains everything sahih hadith bunch of them they're all saying it was four takbirat then you've got this one which in of itself they are all authentic and it is sahih saying five now you think to yourself, how can that be? All of these narrators, all of them authentic, saying four. This narrator, he's authentic too, but he's saying five. Is it possible that a narrator could be absolutely authentic but make the odd error somewhere in a narration? Possibly. He's absolutely thicker absolutely good in his narration, trustworthy, reliable, but maybe the odd slip occurs. That's what they say has occurred in this instance. That's what some scholars say. They say the narration about five, six, etc. are authentic. But there's so many and strong about four, it's got to be four. Those other ones must have just been slips from the narrators when they said five or six by accident. That's what they say. Of course, there's always two sides to that story. Because other scholars will say, this narrator, is he authentic or not? You're all saying, he is. So what, why are you assuming he made a mistake? What if he knew this thing and he was the only one who knew it and all these others didn't know it? What if he found this out? What if he on one occasion saw the Prophet some do that none of the others did? They all saw the normal four thing. Maybe one day somewhere he witnessed the five thing. Possible or not? That's possible too. So which way are you going to go? Are you going to say no, all of these narrators they saw four. He's authentic too but he says five probably just a slip on this occasion or are you going to say well why are we going to assume it's a slip why are we going to assume it's a slip maybe he definitely knew that and all of these didn't he definitely got this information about the five which way are you going to go well that's where the differences of opinion of the scholars come that's where the differences of opinion of scholars come on these issues Because either you can call that shav, or you can call it ziyadatu thika, And it all depends where you're going to go. Moving the finger is a classic example of that. So in this issue, some of the scholars who take the four opinion, they say those others are that shav category. Authentic narrations in of themselves. But they are overwhelmed by the four takbirat narrations. So that's what they say here. That's one uh, explanation of that. Uh, So it mentions here... Uh, no. There's some لقد كبر على narrations here that talk about it In that narration it says four again and that one is actually weakness in it but it says four uh This is another issue now. This is the issue of whether you recite it out loud or not the Fatiha in the Janazah. Is it a loud prayer the Janazah prayer or is it a quiet prayer? Is it a loud prayer or is it a quiet prayer? قراءة عند جمهور أهل العلم أنها واجبة في reading Fatiha is wajib. according to the majority of the scholars in the Janazah prayer, reading Fatiha is wajib. وذلك لأن ابن عباس قال أنها سنة وما دامت أنها سنة الرسول صلى فتكون واجبة ويكون من تركها لسنة فيدلو على فيدلو ذلك على وجوبها. so ibn abbas told them clearly this is you should know and understand it is a sunnah of the Prophet And that in this context indicates something you have to do a wajib And because you have the general narration الكتاب, There is no prayer without the Fatiha Janaza is a prayer needs the Fatiha as well janaza Tadkhulu ومن خصصها لابد ان ياتي بدليل يدل على تخصيص فالراجح ان قراءة الفاتحه في صلاه الجنازة انها واجبه انها واجبة. من واجبات صلاه الجنازة لا يجوز تركها بل ان بعض العلماء يرى انه يقرا معها شيء من القران ولكن هذا لم يثبت so some of the scholars they say you should also recite a surah after the Fatiha even though that is not definitely proven as a definite thing but the scholars they say you should add a surah as well but the fatiha definite. The issue is, is it loud or quiet? Al Jawab The rule is normally you do not read the fatiha out loud. So why did Ibn Abbas do it? as a point of teaching them. If they say to you, no, how do you know that? Why can't we just take the example of Ibn Abbas reading out loud? So we read out loud every jenazah prayer. Why are you going to give us this explanation? That was just to teach the people so you don't do it all the time. Because of his clear statement, لِتَعْلَمُوا So that you know that this is sunnah. He was explaining why he read out loud. He was explaining why he read out loud. So you understand that this is the sunnah. He wasn't doing it because that is how you pray the janazah every time. He did it on purpose to teach them you do the Fatiha. And he told them so that you learn this. So the scholars they say it is not for that purpose. It is not for the purpose of every janazah is loud Fatiha. On the odd occasion you want to teach the people that you recite the Fatiha loud. On the odd occasion. But... Overall, the janaza is done silently, and it is all the quiet recitation, and it is not out loud. We'll have to conclude on that one then. Uh, and next week, inshallah, ta'ala, we'll carry on at the same time, approximately 6:45 p.m. The prayer is still going to be 7:45. So, approximately 6:30, 6:45 p.m., inshallah. We'll carry on next week. So I'll stop for tonight.